Every season is spooky season in our book. So settle in and prepare to be shook. You are listening to Shook, a comedic podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained. Hello. Hello. I'm Amanda. And I'm Santa. Yes, you are, darn tootin'. (laughs) (laughs) You have a fun fact. I do have a fun fact. And I've been like, honestly, dying inside to not have already said it before we were in the meat of recording. So there's this ghost book that I have been wanting for so long. And I just haven't purchased it because it's like, kind of expensive. I don't usually Mm -hmm. spend more than like $20 per ghost book because the budge, you know, the budge is low. Um, this economy. <laughs> and I broke the budge on this one. It's called the Encyclopedia of Spirits. And it has everything. It's basically New York's hottest club. It has <laughs> the ultimate guide to the magic of fairies, genies, demons, ghosts, gods, and goddesses. It's just, it's a a very dense resource that I I read a lot of reviews that said that it really goes deep into like a lot of different cultures folklore which I've been looking for a resource like this for a while so so excited to read it it looks heavy it is uh it's bigger than I actually thought it would be based okay. on like the pictures that's a that's, a, that's what she said you just yeah right into that one. Oh yeah <laughs> it's really big Maybe too big. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a encyclopedia. I don't know if I can script. handle this one. No, seriously, it looks like it has at least 200 pages or something. Maybe more. More than 200 pages, hunty. It has... Hunty, it has over a 1,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dream come true for me. I love this. And also the author is Judica Eels. And she has a lot of different books available. Um, A lot of her books actually are more focused on like witchcraft and things like that. But this is more of like just an educational source of the spirit realm. And it arrived today after I had already like solidified all of my stories. So I haven't actually dived into it yet. But anyway, that was my fun fact. What's your fun fact? Oh, God. Um, let's see. Here we are midway through November, and I just now took down my Halloween decorations. And I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm devastated. I'm, I'm devastated because even though every season spooky season in our book, tell me if I'm wrong, but the vibes are off. Like, <laughs> when Halloween's over... It's just not it. There's a shift. Immediately, it's Christmas. And I have thoughts about that. I'm not ready. I haven't yeah. even been stuffed. I'm just kidding. I haven't even <laughs> had my I haven't even had my turkey stuffed. <laughs> ah, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Patreon. Hi, family <laughs> listening. Right. No, please. That was giving this. Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. No, just keep it. At this point, I have no dignity. So, me too. Um, 
I've given my entire mental illness to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? The diagnostic, the D... DMS. DMS-5, yes. Yeah, I've already been taking or notes DSM on five. Sorry, DSM. <laughs> yeah, DSM. I'm like, okay, well, that's one. I haven't um, actually went to therapy, so I don't really, like, know for sure all of those types of things. Did you see the, uh, <laughs> I think it was the Real Petty Mayo video of the two foxes laughing, and it said, me and my BFF laughing at our trauma instead of going to therapy. And I'm like, yeah. that's it. That's the vibe. That's me. That's Santa and several other yeah. friends of ours. It's pretty much this podcast for me. It's giving like, laugh so you don't cry. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, there was that. And then I recently saw a TikTok. <laughs> I think that guy's name is King Pumpkinhead or something, but it's this guy dressed as a, he's got a pumpkin on his head. And it's the Mariah Carey song. It's, it goes, I don't. And he just like bolts in the frame and he kicks the Christmas tree over or something like that. He's like, it's too soon for Christmas. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> it's like, it's just so, I don't like, I don't like. The instant shift to, oh, let's tear everything down and put up our Christmas tree. It's like, I'm having an existential crisis. Like, can we please slow down and just let it be for a minute? Just let it be. But the good yeah. thing about Thanksgiving, at least, is I know how much you love Bob's Burgers. And every time I think about Bob's the Burgers. The gravy boat. The navy boat. The savory, yes. savory sailor boat. Yeah. Yep. Yep, and that then, whole song too. Thank you for loving me. Thank, thank you, you for being, for being there. there. The world is thanking you. Thanking <laughs> us for thanking you. Yeah. Kill the turkey. I'm pretty sure. I'm I literally don't give a that. shit about Thanksgiving except for the Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes. Right, right. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, and that's why we drink. They always sing that song every Thanksgiving. <laughs> They love it too. Incense in the stew because Pepper pooped. <laughs> Pepper was using the litter box like just as we started recording, and rest in peace. Your FML, <laughs> truly FML. Like I'm like hot boxing. I know. I feel that. No, but the Bob's Burgers thing, I have to tell you, I've had oh. one of the episodes stuck in my head for a while. Not even the whole episode, but do you know, do you remember the one where um, the mom goes back to her high school reunion or something and she plays in the band yes. and she hires a babysitter? It's the one where she says, listen, Linda, Linda, listen, because she's crying, mm -hmm. walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> I guess her, I don't remember what happened, but her band messed up or something. She's crying. She's like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I forget her name, but she's like, I don't know how to use a microwave. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to use a microwave. Yeah, I love that character. Actually, I hate that character. She's like the worst human. But <laughs> she's the worst. But that was me yesterday. I was like, <coughs> I'm sick, babe. I don't know how to use a microwave. Can you make me some homemade chicken broth? <laughs> like, if not for Louise just being a bad bitch, those yeah. kids would have died in her care. <laughs> like Truly. Yeah, she pretty much ad like, admits to child neglect. Yeah. Just total lack of wherewithal. And like, I think at one point she like accidentally like punches Tina in the face or something. There's some <laughs> there's like an actual <laughs> violent thing that occurs. <laughs> I haven't I seen it, it in a long time, but yeah. Yeah. 
every time Connolly and I cook or reheat something in the microwave, he says, put it in the microwave. <laughs> microwave. The microwave. But yeah, um, so those facts weren't really all that fun, I guess. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, we went to the Tennessee-Georgia game, Go Vols. Connolly's a big Georgia fan, as you know, and she had a good day. I had a bad day. Mm. <laughs> and that's on A House Divided. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I know you don't give a fuck about football, but I don't really care about Taylor Swift, so we're even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you listened to the CD a thousand times already? Yes, I have, but not the CD because I don't own – I don't own a physical copy, unfortunately, but I have listened to it many times to the point where, like, I am tired of it now. Sorry. I'm not keeping this in the podcast, but I'm tired of it. But because I'm trying to get tickets to the Eras Tour. Fun fact: I still haven't gotten verified for the Eras Tour presale. So I know we want to get into the episode, but I need to real quick like scoop what Pepper did because I can't live like this. I can't, because, like, I have this incense burning, and it's just, like, I still smell the shit. I feel that. Like, I'm going to bomb. I'm going to throw up. I'll be right back. survive peppers fumes were really toxic and they made you want to die but you scooped that shit right out and you put it in the trash i said no pepper keep that butthole on hold i don't know i give up it was so bad i'm Uh, lighting another one Wingardium Leviosa. Oh, wait, it's not Leviosa. Leviosa. So, sorry about all of the interruptions with Pepper. I guess I'm just going to have to cobble everything together in post as I do. Cobble, cobble. Yep. It's very, very prevalent to this being our Thanksgiving episode. Yes. So what has you shook this week, Santa Banana? So what has me shook this week is the fact that this is our Thanksgiving episode, and I was thinking, what would be a good topic for the Thanksgiving episode? And originally, my brain kind of went to, like, witchy stuff, like New England, you know, New England ghostly stuff, witchy stuff. And then I was like, no, actually, let's go Native American with this. There's so much folklore there. There's so much to explore that, like, hasn't been explored yet um, on Shook Paranormal Podcast. And I think that Thanksgiving is a great time to give them the spotlight. So I do have a Native American ghost book. Um, yep, it's called Living Ghosts and Mischievous Monsters, Chilling American Indian Stories. 
by Dan Sasawa Jones, and he is from the Ponca Nation. So the story that I would like to focus on from this book is called The Moshpee Sailor. The Moshpee tribe is basically a part of the Wampanoag tribe, which was located in Massachusetts, and they actually met a lot of the European settlers that came to America in the 1600s. So, a little backstory, additional backstory about the Moshpee. Um, they've lived on Cape Cod, Massachusetts, for at least 12,000 years. So, they were here so much longer than we were. <laughs> this story that I'm about to read for you is a story about choosing family over fortune. Mm, it has a moral. It has a moral, and it's also creepy. And I am reading it because I don't want to say anything wrong and have anything be misinterpreted. This is the author's words. And a little bit of backstory, too, about the author, Dan Sasawa Jones. So he's from the Ponca Nation, and he actually traveled the whole United States and Canada um, going and speaking with members of different tribes and just finding out different ghost stories and witch stories and just different skinwalker stories like from just different tribes it's really really cool and so this story was told to him by Samantha Hatch from the Wampanoag tribe it was a cool night near the cape and the young mother sat in her wigwam knitting a blanket late into the night it was hours until she would sleep for she had much work to do. She would sell the blanket to feed her two children, for her handiwork was all she had to trade. The children's father had been lost to illness two winters ago. Her door flap was wide open in a welcoming gesture, as was customary of her people, and maybe it was just the wind that made her look up, or maybe it was a different kind of chill. When she looked outside, she saw a man standing there in the dark. Hello, she said. Is someone there? The fog was thick this night, and it seemed to somehow billow more thickly around the dark figure. The figure stepped closer, and she was no longer afraid. He had a kind face and wore a sailor's clothing, the kind her people wore, though it looked a little worse for wear. May I warm myself by your fire? The sailor asked. My clothes are wet, and I've traveled far this day. She invited him inside and added another log to the fire. As the stranger sat, she returned to her knitting. After a few moments, she glanced at the man sitting near the fire, and that is when she saw it. She could see the fire right through his legs, as if he were made of the mist that had surrounded him outside. She realized with a jolt that this was no man, he was a ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> the young mother was brave and showed no fear. He had not threatened her with harm. She glanced quickly over her shoulder at her sleeping children to see that they were safe, then returned to her knitting, keeping a close eye on the ghost. They sat in silence for several minutes before he spoke. I see that you're not a rich woman, the ghost said. The young mother said nothing, for it was not a question. 
<laughs> it was shade. <laughs> I see that you have little, he continued, but you have helped me this night. If you would like a large pot full of gold, you will find one buried behind your wigwam near a large rock. It will be enough to keep you for many years to come. And with that, the ghost stood and left her home. The young mother shivered. It was not until he was gone that she noted the extra chill in the air that the ghost had brought with him. She waited a few minutes, tucking the blankets tighter around her little ones while she waited. She wanted to be sure that the ghost was gone before she considered what to do. After a few long moments, thoughts of the gold crept into her mind. She needed money to buy food and new clothes for her children. The mother took her hoe and walked out and around to the back of her wigwam. There, as the ghost had said it would be, was a large rock sitting beside a patch of freshly dug earth. She began to dig. As she did, she heard her daughter cry out. She ran around to the door of her home to check on the child. But her daughter was sound asleep, the blankets undisturbed. The young mother was confused, for she was sure that she'd heard her daughter scream. Again, she walked around to the back of the wigwam and began to dig. With each strike of the ground with her hoe, she heard a child cry as if in pain. This time it sounded like her young son. She dropped her hoe and ran around the wigwam. But she was wrong again. Her son lay quietly next to his sister, sound asleep. One more time she returned to the site of the large rock, and the promised riches. She picked up her hoe and began to dig. This time she heard them both, clear as they could be, screaming as if something was hurting them, killing them. Dropping the hoe, she ran inside. Again, she found them sleeping. Trembling, she had to clear her mind of the memory of the screams. She climbed into the bed with her children, pulled them close, and emptied her mind of their cries and the pot full of gold. She slept. In the morning, she woke with the sun. She wondered if last night's visitor had been a dream. After dressing her children and giving them breakfast, she ventured out into the cool gray morning. As she reached the spot where she'd left her hoe the night before, she knew it wasn't a dream. Near the large rock was a deep, round hole. The earth had been dug up, and whatever buried treasure had been there was long gone. She had no time to lament this before she heard a woman scream. This scream did not come from her home. Instead, it came from far away. Still, the sound was unmistakable, an ear-splitting shriek of grief. She dressed her children warmly, and they joined the villagers running toward the sound. When they arrived, the mother learned that a woman had awakened to find her child dead. It was her shriek, right? Somebody's child died, That's so but sad. not hers. Uh oh. It, it was her shriek the mother had heard piercing the morning. The villagers had tried to comfort the woman, but she'd run toward the cliffs. They had tried, but they had failed. The mist swallowed her forever. Near her bed, the villagers found a dirt covered hoe and a chest overflowing with gold coins. The young mother never forgot that cold night or her ghostly visitor. She held her children close to her and they lived for many years. They never had riches, but they were happy having one another. Hmm. 
So basically, she was given a choice by that ghost that night. She was given the choice, like, I left this, like a tempting carrot. I left this behind your wigwam if you want to go and leave your children unattended and dig it up. And she almost fell for it. She really did. But she's a real one for saying, my children come first. Damn straight. One thing I'm going to do is protect my kids. So that's my main story. However, I did just want to mention um, a cryptid. A, a cryptid oh my that God. I learned Hold about. Hold on. You're doing a cryptid? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I'm so not excited. going super deep, but I will. I'll read the story and I might not keep a lot of it in. I was kind of just going to be like, that's what this is what this cryptid is. But it's an interesting story, actually. Uh, 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 let me find it. <laughs> this story is called. Dear Woman. And Dear Woman is a figure from the Ponca Nation and is told by the author of this book. So, a little bit about Dear Woman. Dear Woman's upper body is that of a woman, but she walks on the powerful legs and split hooves of a deer. Dear woman has the strength of five men and runs with the speed of a deer. She is mystically ageless. She can appear out of thin air, mainly at night, some say, from an underground spring. Legend says that her quest is to find her dead mate, but it is an impossible pursuit. The frustration has led to madness. Few, if any, have seen her face and lived to tell about it. To gaze into her eyes will paralyze you and eventually kill you, possibly by taking control of your mind. If you're a husband unkind to his wife, you could disappear forever after her visit. Queen. Okay. <laughs> Dear woman is known to many tribes across America. From time to time, she still menaces our Ponca tribe. Perhaps I shouldn't refer to her as a queen because she is very dangerous, but she will come for you if you're an abusive husband, and we love to see that. We love to see it. So this is an old one. This is actually mm -hmm. an old tale that's been in circulation for many years. So it was a hot August night in 1955, the third Saturday of the month to be exact. The Ponca powwow, a celebration of our culture, was in full swing. Hundreds of dancers, both men and women, wore colorful regalia, wonderfully decorated with patterns from hundreds of years before our time. Many more people were not dancing or wearing regalia, but were taking part as onlookers. As the clock approached midnight, the main event ended. The singers, dancers, and guests cleared the arena and the lights were turned off. Now it was time for the young adults to have their turn to celebrate. Their time is called the 49. The term is said to come from a time when 50 young Ponca warriors went off to war, but only 49 returned. The 49 dance is held in the dark in a large circle with a drum at the center. On this moonlit night, all the faces of the dancers and singers were illuminated. 
During a 49, everyone sings along to the songs, including the young people as they dance. Two young people in love were dancing arm in arm, and the young woman kept noticing the woman dancing next to her. It was odd, she thought, that the other woman was dressed in a black skirt, and her head was covered with a black shawl. Such clothes are a sign of mourning, and in the Ponca culture, a person in mourning doesn't dance for a year after losing a loved one. Along with the black skirt and shawl, the woman wore a white ruffled blouse that had an old-time look to it. Glancing down, the young dancer noticed that the woman's long black skirt covered her feet so well that even when the woman kicked out her skirt as she danced, her feet were never exposed. That's funny, thought the young woman. My skirt is the same length as hers, but I can always see my feet when I kick out. Now she was really puzzled. Maybe the woman had very small feet? The young woman went back to singing and dancing next to her boyfriend. When the song ended, she watched the woman in black. The woman was so covered up by the skirt and blouse that it was hard to tell her age. The woman walked off and sat on the bleachers alone. Even though the arena lights were off, the moon washed the area with light. A young boy wandered by the woman in black, and he too noticed that she was sitting there alone. He noticed how her head was bent forward and covered with the shawl, and he noticed that she was very different from everyone else. As he gazed at her, his eyes followed her long skirt down to the ground. Then he saw it. One of her feet was exposed at last. It was shiny and black. He looked harder and saw it was the hoof of a deer, covered with black polish. The boy had heard the stories of her, and he began screaming at the top of his lungs, Dear woman! Dear woman! In a flash, her shawl dropped to the ground, and she stood up to face the boy. Ooh. Oh, God. He froze as she towered over him and looked into his eyes. Barely a moment passed before someone threw the switch to turn on the arena lights. Then several hundred young people stared at her in awe and fear. Right in front of her, the frozen child who called her name was so overwhelmed he could barely breathe. He watched as the black skirt dropped away and a white tail flicked behind the powerful body. Still, still wearing the white ruffled blouse, the dear woman was a woman from the waist up. From the waist down, she stood on the two powerful hind legs of a deer. She looked out across the crowd with cold black eyes. At that very second, dozens of young men started to run toward her. Kill her, they taunted. Get her. Many of them had lost relatives to this beast. Now was their time to get even. They closed in on her, but she was faster. She turned and ran straight for the opposite set of bleachers and in three bounds, she leaped ten feet up and over them. The young men tried to follow her. As they raced around behind the bleachers, they could not match her speed. She disappeared into the trees. By the next day, many of our elders were aware of the previous night's events, and they were talking. One of them told Dear Woman's story. Out of those fifty Ponca warriors who went off to fight, the young man who never returned had a beautiful Comanche bride. She had married the young Ponca man, and their life had been so happy. But when he didn't return from war, she was filled with so much grief that they say she died of a broken heart. No one knows what happened, but for some reason her ghost never crossed over. 
Her broken heart found a home in the chest of a creature, half woman, half deer. She wanders earth as deer woman, looking for her husband. But because he did cross over, they will never meet. She has gone mad searching for him. Behind her, she leaves a trail of death. They say she punishes any husband who is not as kind and respectful as her love, lost to her forever. Okay, we stand. Yeah. She means well. Yeah. She means well. Dear woman. <laughs> Dear no, woman. She's a badass. Yeah. I know that she's probably caused a lot of terror um, to the Ponca Nation. Um, and I, I hope, I hope it's not disrespectful for us to sort of love her, but she sounds like a feminist queen to me. Yeah. No disrespect. (laughs) Yeah. And also there is a story about skinwalkers. It's like a, these are all like very short stories, but I don't know if we have time for it. I'll, I'll go into it. If not, cobble um, it in girl, just cobble cobble it in. Okay, whale, whale, whale shit, whale hail. So, skinwalkers. So, this story is called, this is my final story that I will be telling from this book, Living Ghosts of Mischievous Monsters, Chilling American Indian Stories. This one is called Skinwalker, and this story was told to the author by Art Tracy Jr. from the Navajo tribe in Arizona. My mom used to tell all kinds of stories to us when we were little kids, but I remember this one because it was a scary story to me. She said it was a true story that happened on the Navajo reservation a long time ago, maybe back in the 1920s or 30s. It's about an evil witch we call a skinwalker. A skinwalker is half person and half animal. It starts as a medicine man or woman who uses their powers of healing for good, but for some reason they turn to evil. Not only do skinwalkers bring pain and suffering to their enemies, but they can crawl inside a person's mind and control them. Skinwalkers often look like anyone else during the day. Then at night they transform into creatures with glowing eyes. Mm. They can run like the wind and easily track down a person. Skinwalkers appear during the day, too, waiting and watching for their victims. There was a Navajo guy working as a ranch hand for a rich Navajo who had a lot of horses, cattle, and sheep somewhere around the western part of the Navajo reservation in Tuba City, Arizona. One day, the man decided to go home to see his relatives and to check up on his family in the eastern part of the reservation, somewhere past Shiprock, New Mexico. So he talked to his employer and asked to take leave. Soon he was on his way to see his family. Early that morning, the worker had fastened his pack onto a good horse and started off on his long journey home. He rode cross-country through rugged canyons, mesas, and open range. Somewhere along the way, he stopped for a rest. While he was resting, he spied an old mangy coyote sitting on top of a hill not too far away. The man took out his rifle, aimed, and fired. The coyote slumped over and did not move again. 
Then the man climbed up to see his kill. As he reached the top of the hill, he could not believe his eyes. What lay before him was the dead body of a young Navajo man with long hair. The top half of his body was human and the bottom half animal. His upper body was painted with designs and his lower half was covered with the fur of a coyote. He had shot a skinwalker. It must have been resting like he was when he shot it. Now he got scared. He didn't know what to do with it. He walked around, and then he saw a deep crevice along the canyon's edge. So he dragged the creature's body to the cliff's edge and threw it off. Thud. He heard the body land somewhere deep down in the dark crevice. As his fear grew, he knew he needed to distance himself as far as possible from the creature and the place. Quickly mounting his horse, he rode over Black Mesa, across Chinle Valley, and up the Big Cheska Mountains. He rode all day and into the night, pushing his horse to the limit. He finally made it across the Cheska Mountains and past Shiprock, New Mexico, to his relative's home. There he told his family what had happened to him. They listened, their fear growing. You must never go back to your employer, they told him. You have to stay here. The relatives of the skinwalker will be looking for answers, and they will be out looking for you. Filled with fear, the man took their advice. One day, after several months, the visitor felt safe enough to come out of hiding. He had heard there was a traditional healing ceremony happening near Shiprock. He decided to attend it. When he got to the ceremony, it was packed with people. Many were camping and their wagons were parked here and there. On the central grounds, rituals with singing and dancing were being performed by healers wearing elaborate masks. Just as the visitor was beginning to enjoy the ceremony, he saw an old Navajo man walking around among the crowds of people. This old man was talking loudly and making an announcement to anyone who would listen. My family is looking for a son who went missing a couple of months ago, he called out. He told of his son's journey in full detail. He told where his son had last stopped, where he was last seen, and his last known destination. After that, he had gone missing. He had never showed up at his next expected stop. The visitor grew cold as he listened. Next, the old man described exactly the features of the young Navajo skinwalker's face. Then, the old man described the area of the reservation where the visitor had shot it. Next, the old man said, There is one man who knows what happened to our son, and that man is here among you today. The crowd murmured and looked around uncomfortably. We are camped over there, the old man pointed and would like for you to come over to our camp and tell us what you know happened to our son. The visitor knew the old Navajo man was talking about him. You think? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't believe he stuck around for all that. I can't. He left the ceremony as quickly and quietly as possible and made his way home. There he stayed in hiding for many years. He never went back to work for his employer, and he never again went over to the western part of the Navajo Reservation. After many, many years in hiding, he finally told his story only to a few people he trusted. Mm. So, wow. Like, when I first read that story, like, I was expecting 
him to have the dad the dad to have somehow gotten revenge or something Mm -hmm. but yeah somehow he got to live out his days wow but that skinwalker's dad was honestly a real one (laughs) he was like i know what you did i know i've been (laughs) new those are really good stories i know what's the author's name again the author's name is dan sasawa jones and again the book is titled living ghosts and mischievous monsters chilling american indian stories and yeah there's so many good stories in there like i was really thinking about like a lot of different ones as i was reading them like there's one in particular that i loved called my brother last of the crow men um Mm -hmm. that one's another ponca tale and in a nutshell my brother last of the crow men um is actually a story that the author experienced so his brother was one of the last um, people he knew in his tribe that raised a crow from being a baby. So it was a tradition in their tribe to um, raise crows from being babies, like baby birds into crows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they just like were very, very close with the animals, a kinship, if you will. And then his brother died. So in their culture, when someone dies, they leave them – kind of like on display in a room for four days. So for those whole four days, like family can come in and just talk and do whatever they want to do to celebrate the person's life. Mm -hmm. And on the last day, I think when they were about to finish that ritual, just like a bunch of crows gathered outside and started like making a lot of noise. And that was like the moment when the author realized like, oh yeah, my brother was a crow, a crow man. And he's the last of the crow men and all the crows are out here like gathering and that's awesome. Celebration of him. I cried when I I love crows. I love crows. Crows, ravens are so smart. Yeah. Incredible. Yes, I love that book. So yeah, anyone who wants to um, learn more about Native American folklore, especially as it pertains to ghosts, spirits, witches, uh, and monsters, definitely check out this book. Uh, It's on Amazon. And yeah. Way to go, Dan. And way to go, San. Dan and San. (laughs) No, that's awesome, and I'm so glad you chose to do Native American stories. Do you know if you have any Native American tribes in your lineage? I do. What you Um, got? All I know about is Cherokee. Mm -hmm. I don't know the full extent because I haven't done any kind of blood test pertaining, like blood DNA test. Um, I just know when I was growing up, my dad told me about – a relative that lived on the reservation in North Carolina, um, Mm -hmm. in Cherokee, North Carolina, where my favorite casino is. (laughs) Harris, not been. Let's go. I I must be. It's in my blood. I love that casino. (laughs) Um, I'm Cherokee too. It's on my, it's on the Reno side. My papa's 
Uh, I could be wrong. It's I, I want to say it's my papa's mother who was, I don't think she was 100%, but she was, at, I think, at least half Cherokee. I could be wrong. So I don't know. Math is hard. I'm some small speck. Yeah, I don't really Cherokee. know either because my mom said that her biological mother had um, a percentage of Cherokee. She, mm. But my mom was adopted away from her biological mother, so... There's, like, no, like, verifying that, really. But on my dad's side, um, the man who lived on the reservation, his name was C.L. Parker. So his name was actually Parker. That's so um, cool. And also, like, this is not Cherokee. I don't re remember the exact tribe. But there is a chief, um, or there was a chief named Quana Parker. So Quana Parker, um, he was a war leader of the Quahati band of the Comanche Nation. Mm. So, yeah, his name was spelled Q-U-A-N-A-H, Quana Parker. And so his oh. sister's name was Top Santa Parker. So her name was spelled T-O-P-S-A-N-N-A-H. That's so cool. Top Santa Park. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is her breastfeeding. This oh. is Top Santa Parker breastfeeding. Oh my gosh. That is so freaking cool. I don't know, but I don't know if there's any relation there, but who knows? I refuse to do a 23andMe or any of that other BS because the government already knows too much. I know, but I, I'm so curious. I just feel kind of sad that I have not really been exposed to as much of that history as I mm. feel like I probably should have. But I know right. growing up, my dad um, was very, very into learning about his ancestry, um, his Cherokee ancestry. And my dad was a painter. My favorite painting that my dad actually ever painted for me um, was this beautiful landscape um, of a river and like woods behind it. And there was a Native American girl bathing in the river. And it was just like oh, wow. so freaking beautiful. But my dad destroyed that painting. <gasps> so I will never see it again. But it was. Do you have a picture of it or anything? No. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, that's like one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever experienced actually because um, I don't have any of his art like that I have like sketches and stuff that he's done and I have sketches of horses and stuff but he mainly painted like horses and chiefs and wolves and that's awesome stuff like that but yeah that painting if I could get that back dang yeah that'd be amazing but I would like to you know learn more more and more about the ancestry for sure. Yeah. But yeah. since but since I have such a small amount of it Cherokee in my blood, I will never be accepted by the Cherokee Nation. Yeah, I don't think I would be either. No. <laughs> no. We are we are white. <laughs> right. But we ought to give way more 
acknowledgement to what America was before we came here, you know? Like, yeah. So many people just, I'm, I'm not going to get into a political debate, but we've been wrong. Yeah. White people. We've been wrong from the second. Yeah. This country was founded, and from the moment a white man stepped his pinky toe, like, onto this fucking land, like, it's just been crazy. And then even, like, before stepping foot on here, it's like, let's enslave people. Oh, my God. And then they get here, and let's enslave the people that have lived here their whole lives. Like, let's just evict everyone. So fucked up. And the tribe you mentioned at first, the... Wampanoag. Wampanoag. I think it was... Because when I was researching, but I'm pretty sure it was the Wampanoags that got nearly wiped out or totally wiped out when the white man stepped on yeah. our soil because there was all these new diseases and they were like overwhelmed with. The Wampanoags are the tribe that are usually associated with American traditional stories about Thanksgiving. But yeah, I I plan to do, actually do more stories in the future Uh from a Native American lens, yeah. as well as other cultures, um, folklore, because I'm really, really just, like, very interested in kind of seeing where a lot of the folklore that that we as Americans have kind of, like, taken, because a lot of the folklore that we have is taken from other cultures, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of similar to, you know, how, like, religion with like Christianity and the Bible and our, our Bibles, Jesus is like another religions, like something else. Like there's just versions of the same figures in different cultures. And we've just had to cobble, cobble together our whole belief system. (laughs) Yeah. It's fucking crazy. But the fact that there are so many different versions of, um, you know, cryptids in different cultures, like it could be the same concept of a cryptid Mm -hmm. in different cultures, same concept of a Bigfoot, you know, in our culture and other cultures. It makes me wonder even more if it could be real, if some of these stories could be real because of how much they align. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm really interested to like. Yeah. Look at. Yeah. I did no, not I articulate that. that very well. But. No, I get I get where you're going with that. I get where you're going with that. Yes. Anyways, there's no, enough there's of... nothing to do. Enough from my side of the street. What had you shook? Oh, hunty, I will tell you. The, the story that had me shook for this Thanksgiving episode of Shook Paranormal Podcast is... Something that I completely stumbled upon. I was racking my brain. What the heck am I going to cover? There's so many possibilities. What I stumbled upon is called the Taylor Trask Museum in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. Well, I was looking all over the webs, and one of the first things that popped up was obviously Plymouth, Massachusetts, because that's the birthplace of you know, America, basically, Plymouth Rock, all that from the 1600s, and located in Plymouth, Massachusetts, obviously, it's haunted, it's gotta be, so 
I had to dig a little bit deep for this, but I ended up finding a new show, which I can't believe I had never seen it before. It's called Portal to Hell, and <laughs> it's got our gal Katrina Weedman. Uh, she was on Paranormal State. I really, really liked her, and I think she's I done... love Paranormal State. Yes! Paranormal State and uh, Paranormal Lockdown, if I'm not mistaken, and she co-stars on this show with Jack Osborne, Ozzy's oh. son. Yes. yes. And their chemistry, they're great. Like, this show's amazing. And the whole premise of this show is, unlike other ghost hunting shows you see, they're there with the objective of deciphering whether or not a haunted location is haunted because people died there or because there's an actual portal that's bringing in spirits from the ether, from all over. Whoa. The right. hell mouth. <laughs> So I found this episode, it's called uh, the Taylor Trask Museum, and what the Taylor Trask Museum is today, it's basically a combination of two separate homes. So these two homes were built in the 1700s, and guess what? They're freaking haunted. The two homes are on a street that were, it was once known as Queen Street, but now it's North Street. North Street, aka Queen Street is known as one of the most haunted streets in the United States. And the Taylor Trask Museum is a combination of the Spooner House and the Taylor House. I'm going to start with Nathaniel Spooner. Nathaniel Spooner died in his home after he fell down the stairs and he's believed to haunt the place. So basically Nathaniel, he fell down a staircase after recovering. He was recovering from a broken leg, and I guess it didn't fully heal, but he was literally hobbling, cobbling, cobbling down the stairs, and he fell. And he tumbled down, broke his collarbone, and re-injured his broken leg, causing a compound fracture, so the bone was sticking out of his leg. No. Yeah. Unforge. Unforge. <laughs> so... They say, allegedly, his moans, his screams, everything can still be heard. Because, obviously, back in the 1700s, shit's going to fester. It's going to get infected. He had to have it amputated. So he's there just screaming in the bed, getting his leg chopped off, mm -hmm. right? So... They say, not only can you hear his screams... But there's some other things that happen in the home. So a woman named Diane Trask purchased this property and the other property, which I'll get to. And it's now run by a tour guide named Jan Williams. And she's the primary interviewee in this episode of uh, Portal to Hell. So Diane, who purchased this home, said that she would hear footsteps upstairs She'd hear talking in the other room when nobody was with her. She would see the grandfather clock open and close. And the pendulum would be swinging, just causing a fucking ruckus. And she claims that she's even seen Nathaniel's ghost standing in the hallways. So, the tour guide slash housekeeper named Jan, she is with Katrina and Jack. And she's explaining all of this, all of the spooky things that have happened in the home. And Jack has an EMF detector. It's just going fucking wild. Jack's taking some photos. And then you see 
this blue light, blue aura, if you will, surrounding Jan and Katrina. And then Jan, she says that in addition to those things, they they also sometimes see a woman in white in the home, which I'm not sure who that might be. So that is the first home of the two, the Spooner home. Moving on to the Taylor house. Mind you, both of these homes are this cute white and yellow, and they just look so innocent. Oh. But they're not that innocent. They're really pretty spooky. So the Taylor house is down the road, not too far, and it was once owned by Captain Jacob Taylor. Most of his children died. Uh, But a few of them did live. Two of them built the upstairs of the home. I want to say he had like 10 or 12 kids, which back then, you know, you kind of had to do that because of the mortality rate. In fact, three of his daughters, in one source I read, he tried naming a, a, a daughter Hannah three different times. They all died as infants. Oh, no. That's going to come into play here in a bit. But yeah, so. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) have you seen the movie Kingpin? I have not seen that movie. (laughs) I know about it, but I have not. Yeah, so the the main character, he's, he's Amish, right? And he's just commenting on some woman he meets in the outside world, if you will. And he says, Something like, with hips like that, she couldn't have more than six or seven children. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, that's already too many. Um, Anyways. Yeah. Okay, so on the note of all those Hannah babies dying, there's a crib that is sometimes seen moving throughout the house. And they think it's one of the Hannahs. In the actual show, I don't recall them mentioning three Hannahs. I only heard of one Hannah, and then later found out that there were multiple because if at first you don't succeed. Just kidding. That was really rude. Dust yourself <laughs> off and try again. <laughs> Terrible. In the Taylor house, one day Jan, the housekeeper slash tour guide, she heard a loud crash, and she discovered that, get this, an entire TV was busted wide open on the floor. Oh, nar. Yeah. So, mind you, she's in the house by herself. She goes to dispose of the TV, and within the moments that she gets back, there's a music box on the mantle, and it is literally thrown at her. And she's showing Jack and Katrina the proof in the pudding it's a half broken music box she's like yep this is it it flew at me she pretty much was like hell nah and she left like that was enough enough spookiness for the day i don't blame her because that's giving demonic or poltergeist the vandalism of it all the vandalism of it all (laughs) renter's insurance come through (laughs) and i think at the i think it's near the beginning before they even get inside the house Katrina makes a comment about how beyond a certain weight amount being thrown it's considered demonic because it would require so much force to I think she said two or three pounds is like the max oh yeah because it really does seem to 
According to like Amy Bruni and the Kindred Spirits show, it really does take a lot of energy for a spirit to even communicate anything at all and just to barely even say one word in like a spirit box or something. So imagine the amount of energy that it would take to like actually pick up an object. Yeah, it's it's freaking crazy. I don't like it. I don't like it. So Jan's telling Katrina and Jack the story and the EMF detector again goes wild. Like just beep, 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 beep. like just going insane. So in the captain's bedroom, there's a rocking chair kind of backed in the corner. And Jan explains that it freaks people out because sometimes when you're sitting in this rocking chair, you'll feel a force like pull you back. Pull you back, especially if it's a man. And women sometimes will feel what resembles a small, icy, cold kiss on the cheek. It's very strange. Very strange. No. I don't consent. (laughs) I don't. And that right there is what they suspect to be the spirit of Captain Jacob Taylor. Why is he so mean? I don't know. He's just causing a ruckus, but I guess if most of my children passed away, I'd probably be a little bit upset as well. Yeah, but I mean, I'd be upset, but like I also <laughs> wouldn't take it out on just just any old body. Right. Well, basically what happens is Jan, Katrina, and Jack, they go into the basement. Where there's an infamous well that has been filled with dirt. EMF, once again, goes insane. It's jumping around, okay? So Diane Trask, who I mentioned purchased the properties, I want to say it was around 2018. She, for some reason, decided she wanted to fill this open well. Don't know why. Maybe because she thought it would calm the spirits down. Don't even know if she realized, you know, just how bad it was. I mean, she had experiences, but I don't know. Maybe she was afraid she was going to fall in. I don't know. I don't know how much time you'd hang out in a basement like that because this whole thing is completely filled with dirt and it's real spooky. So what Jan, the housekeeper, believes is that when... Diane did this. It just pissed these spirits off. And the question is, could this well be a portal? There's a few tourists that come in to explain what happened to them while they were at the well down in the basement. They were hanging out. I guess they had an EMF or they had a ghost box of some kind. And a girl's voice comes through. And they're like, oh, a little girl. But then a male voice comes through the voice box and says, Don't talk to them. Heebie-jeebies. Another tourist who was down there did not go down to the well. In fact, she stayed on the stairs going down. She just sat there minding her own business. But somehow, a dirty handprint is found on her shirt. How does that happen? She was not playing in the dirt again. (laughs) (laughs) but apparently she was seeing a long lost friend (laughs) oh god (laughs) come on to Paxson then 
<laughs> Come on, Santa. What is it? Play in the dirt. Again. You don't remember that? I don't know what that is, honey. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay, we've got our O-O-O-O-Riley. Ow! That's uh, the Pike's Nursery jingle that I somehow just remembered. What? He goes, playing in the dirt again. Like seeing a long lost friend. Come on to Pike's and then play in the dirt again. That's oh, that okay. So, you don't remember it. that? Thank you. I don't. Do you. Do you remember? Uh, looky, looky, looky. Here comes Cookie. Cooks. Cooks. Pest control. control. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we know some of our jingles. <laughs> I, I just know, aged like, all myself. the jingles, but I don't know about Pikes. I've never heard of Pikes. Pikes Nursery? Yeah. yeah. Is that like a local business? Maybe. I've actually. It's giving local never, business. Never been to one in Tennessee. They're all over Georgia. Anyway, uh, sorry about it. <laughs> y'all who live in Georgia, and I know we have plenty of listeners in Georgia, y'all know that jingle. Well, now Don't we know about Pike's Nursery. <laughs> and I bet they have some lovely plants at Pike's Nursery. I'd go there. I heard the vegetable man likes to hang out there. But I bet he would. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> back to the story. So how in the heck does a dirty hand... Dirty handprint get on this woman's shirt if she was literally hanging back because she was too scared to go down to the well. I don't know. I don't get it, but it is what it is. So Katrina and Jack, they're interviewing these witnesses, and another one of the tourists that had come by explained that she had sat in Captain Jack's rocking chair, and she felt pressure on her shoulder, and then suddenly heard a whisper. One man once witnessed doors in the home being slammed shut. And the temperature in the house became so cold that he could see his breath. So the format of the show is we're kind of going in a linear fashion here. So they go over the history of the home, why it may be haunted, why it may be a portal to hell. And then Katrina and Jack will set up steak for the night. Like They'll do a steak out. So they first go to the Nathaniel Spooner house and then they make their way to uh, the captain's house. The Taylor house. And Captain Taylor, I have to tell you, because this is going to be important, he was BFF, like Biffles, with first president of the United States, George Washington. Oh. That's important. Keep that in mind. And don't let me forget to reference it again. Yes. Like, so he was kind of a big deal. So as I said, Katrina and Jack are going to investigate each of the homes They set up several cameras, and this is what they capture. I'm just going to run down the evidence. They hear a disembodied breath. Jack sees an apparition of a a white shirt poking his head around a corner. Uh, They didn't catch it on camera, but it was instantaneous. They also hear a dragging sound. It sounds like a chair is being dragged across the floor. Um, A table. One of their crew members is sitting on this table, And it starts shaking beneath him. They have an EVP session. It says, portal. The ghost box. Uh, It says that the the name of the spirit is Mike. And Jack makes a pretty funny comment. He's like, who the heck is named Mike in the 1700s? Not Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
so I think that ended up being explained as a potential uh, ex of Jan or somebody from the house, just totally unrelated from that, but just wanted to mention a guy named Mike was there. Protective, a protective spirit, maybe trying to hail. He's just trying to hail. He's a help. <laughs> okay, so they like to do experiments to to test the validity of the person telling the story of their encounters. So in this case, Katrina and Jack, they blindfold. Was that Pepper, or was that a ghost? It was Pepper. Oh lordy, baby. Okay, so. Katrina and Jack, they blindfold Jan in the basement where the portal, quote-unquote, is the well. And Katrina is elsewhere, and she's communicating with the spirit, saying, if you're in there with Jan, I need you to do some stuff. And she's kind of walking through with the spirit what to do with Jan. So Jan is blindfolded, and she's got headphones on. She's down there. Katrina's asking the questions, and the spirits start answering by interacting with Jan. So Jan expresses that she feels cold and she says, is someone behind me? In the footage, you can see what looks like orbs, but then again, we're in a basement full of dirt. So that could be explained away as just dust. No credence there for me, really. Jan will ask, um, she asks the spirit, she says, a flag? I don't have a flag. This keeps going on. The spirit keeps insisting that there is a flag. And later she suggests that the flag is waving around. That will be important at the end. Katrina asks the spirit to touch Jan's shoulder. And Jan immediately says, why are you tapping? Ah! So that continues to go on. She keeps getting this comment from the spirit about a flag. And then I hear growling from the basement. It's like, uh, <laughs> like no. it sounds like my stomach after I had Taco Bell. Worth it. I miss Taco Bell. I'm having that for dinner. I'm not going to lie to you. But I did stop eating the Halloween candy. Thank the Lord. Okay. So here we go. Here this, this kind of wraps up the whole experiment. Jan then sits with Katrina and Jack and they go over the evidence with her. And Jan explains, she gets to the point about the spirit kept waving a flag. It wasn't an American flag. It wasn't a British flag. I, I don't know. And uh, Katrina stops her and she's like, well, what did the flag look like? And she said, it had a pine tree on it. And Katrina says, do you know what that means? And she's like, no. She's like, bet. Let me Michael Google this for you. So she pulls up her phone and she's typing in, what does this mean? Guess what, hunty grand finale. Is it finale. like his family crest or some shit? Ooh, honey. Grand finale. Here we go. The flag she's referencing was for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Ooh, I have chills. And it said on the flag above the tree, an appeal to heaven. Remember when I said Taylor was BFF with George mm -hmm. Washington? Yes. We're going straight back to the American Revolutionary War. When I tell you I was shook, I literally was shook. 
Now, Jack and, and Katrina, they don't think that the place is a portal. They think it's just the spirits of the people who lived and died there. That's their personal opinion. I'm not sure why the growl didn't convince them. That kind of freaked me out. Um, like I said, giving demonic. But yeah, at the end of the day, they thought it was just the history of the home. So I went back after I watched this this episode and I did some research on Jan, the housekeeper slash tour guide. And I found out that years ago she had suffered cardiac arrest and she was in a coma. And once she came back to our world, she said once with a smile on her face, I see dead people. And okay, so Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, she's been through it. She's really been through it. I, I'm not really sure what I think about all of that, but I will say it was extremely interesting because it was a couple of homes I'd never heard of before. Like, I had to dig. I had yeah, to dig. Like, I've never heard. Ranch. I've never heard of those. I've never heard of that man. Sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. Well, if you want to go to that house... Uh, either of those homes. Uh, Jan is the tour guide, as I mentioned, and the tour guide, or sorry, the tours that Jan hosts is called, it's called the Dead of Night Tours, unless it's changed since that website was published. Um, digging into the actual history about Nathaniel's and uh, Captain's birthdays and everything, it was kind of hazy because Records, you know, were kind of shoddy back then, but they were born in the 1700s, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, I'm sure they've still got ancestors living in the area to this day, so yeah, that's my story, and I've already really been wanting to go to Massachusetts, I really want to go to Boston, I want to go to Salem, and now I want to go to Plymouth, so we gotta go. We, We really do have to go. Uh, to be fully transparent, that's like the main reason why we have a Patreon. The main reason why we have a Patreon is just so that we can actually like make some of these trips we've been wanting to go on happen. These field trips, as we like to call them, because we have like so many places that we want to just go to and also like make content around those trips. So yeah, if you would like to see us actually like go to some of these like places that we've done stories about and places we will do stories about in the future subscribe to the patreon there's like a lot of there's a lot in it for you yeah lots of bonus content so bonus bonus content you get a sticker and you get a shout out on air those are what we've got so far and oh and an exclusive discord channel everybody to hang out but Mm -hmm. happy hours and also topic suggestions that we actually will do at certain tiers absolutely um but I understand if you don't have it in the budge to spend money on the podcast that's totally valid and fair Mm -hmm. um we would love your support in another way if possible if pos as Santa says if you are on apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review if you like it you know and leave us a leave us a little review please we just yeah sorry yeah give us a five-star rating give us a review we've gotten some really good ones i think we hit 13 
five star reviews the other day. Oh, so. I haven't even gone to look at the reviews. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I I look at the YouTube more than anything. I think because the YouTube is like my baby because I yeah. edit the I edit the episodes, so I I guess I like I look at those analytics from what I can see on my end and I'm always looking to see how many subscribers we have and we're up to 40 subscribers on YouTube as of today um and that's really awesome because we started out with zero so hey right no Santa's an editing queen we couldn't have this YouTube channel or really I mean I could maybe do the audio but my my computer's gonna die let's be honest Santa's got a beast of a machine, and she's got all the talent to boot. So she's our editing queen. We love, thank uh, you. We love Santa. Ooh. She's we stan her. <laughs> and Amanda is our marketing queen. I um, try. If you ever interact with us on social media via a Shook Podcast account, it's Amanda. The jig is Bob. up. It's Amanda. <laughs> but <laughs> the jig is up. <laughs> Give up the ghost. Literally, it's Amanda. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, Santa, guess what? Guess what? what? We have a big special announcement. And that is we have a bonus episode coming at you next week. Oh yeah. And, it, and there's a surprise in it. We're not gonna say what it is, but Yes. It's a surprise um collab of sorts. Sorta, yeah. Yeah. It's not it's yeah. not it's not like a I wouldn't be like, it's a collab, but it's like, collab. It's a baby collab. It's a baby collab that to us is like massive. Yes. Like, that's all I'm going to say. So we're super excited about it. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. We can't wait for you to hear the episode and the little surprise that's buried in there. And we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Cobble, cobble. (laughs) Yes, have a great Thanksgiving. However you celebrate with family, Friendsgiving, or just chilling because you've got some time off of work. Like, celebrate it however you want. And yes, the holidays in general can be a really hard time for a lot of people too. So please take care of yourselves. Do what you need to do. We're here. Slide in our DMs if you need a friend, if you don't have anybody to hang out with on the holidays and all of that too. Yes, seriously, please. Like, I really actually would love to emphasize that. Like, um, not to be like, you know, depressing because I'm usually depressing at least once per episode. But I have actually spent um, several Thanksgivings alone um, because of family estrangement. Um, So I actually am one of those people that find the holidays to be very difficult because I have a dead parent and then I'm estranged from the other parent. Um, And that estrangement comes and goes. So one year we might actually have Thanksgiving together and Christmas together. And then the next year ghost. Uh, so, you know, you, it's okay. Don't feel, I used to like really let it get to me um, and get the FOMO really bad and like mm. um, just kind of feel the pressure of like, oh, everybody's posting all their pictures with their family and it would like hurt my feelings like yeah. to get on social media and see everybody just being like, look at my big giant family. 
if you have a big giant family you're celebrating with, I love that for you. And if you're just like having sushi delivered, that's probably what I'm going to be doing too. So sushi train, we're out here. <laughs> but yes, that that's our show for this week, and we look forward to uh, we look forward to next week where there's going to be a bonus. And yes. And I've been, like, just playing with my mahogany obsidian, like, this whole time. Like, I don't know why. Um, I just wanted it's to show it. Mahogany it's so obsidian. pretty. Yes. yes. I always have to, like, feature my babies one way or another. Absolutely. I need to collect more. I've just got my carnelian and my moss. But, oh, and my amethyst, oh, we'll obviously. Get you, we'll get you some more. I want we'll some of that lipidal. What's it called? Lipidolite. Lipidolite. Not to be confused with Pedialyte. Yeah. <laughs> Lipidolite. Lipidolite. Um, next time I do a, a, a festival or a market with Valerie, I might get you some. Oh, I appreciate that. If she's, if she's got any left, I'll get you some. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I'll just have a full cornucopia full of all the crystals. Oh, you should. You really should. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening to our stories, and we'll see you next week. Next week. Ah! Can't wait. Okay. Love you guys. Mean it. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shook. New episodes of Shook drop every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, soon to be wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our show notes for more information on this week's episode, our social links, and more. Until next time, stay shook. Hey, do you have a personal paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, shookpodcast.com, to fill out our contact form. Or you can send us an email at shookparanormalpod at gmail.com.